The LexisNexis Environmental Law and Climate Change Community Podcast. Presentations and interviews with leading attorneys and industry professionals. On this edition, Mark Bennett, Leanne Tobias, and David Freeman on ASTM's Building Energy Performance Assessment Standard. The opinions expressed by guests interviewed on LexisNexis Legal Podcasts do not necessarily reflect those of Reed Elsevier Incorporated, LexisNexis, subsidiary companies, shareholders, employees, or customers, and should not be considered legal advice. Miller Canfield Senior Counsel Mark J. Bennett has combined his dual training in real estate and environmental law into his position as leader of the firm's interdisciplinary climate change practice team. Managing a broad array of issues, including carbon finance, green building, and sustainable development and renewable energy. Mr. Bennett's practice also includes a focus on advising clients in the acquisition and development of commercial real estate, as well as guiding companies in conducting environmental due diligence in real estate transactions. Leanne Tobias is founder and managing principal of Malachite LLC, a green real estate advisory firm that specializes in finance and investment. Project Team Assembly and Management, Certification Support, Portfolio and Project Management, and Strategy Policy Development and Research. A lead accredited professional, Ms. Tobias has over 20 years of experience in institutional real estate investment. David J. Freeman is a partner and chair of the Environmental Practice Group in the New York office of Paul Hastings, LLP. His practice focuses on representing buyers and sellers of property, assisting in brownfield redevelopment, litigation regarding Superfund and other hazardous waste cleanups, and counseling clients on sustainability and green buildings projects. He's written and spoken extensively on environmental issues. They've written the Emerging Issues Analysis, the ASTM Building Energy Performance Assessment Standard, Recent Trends, Current Uses, Legal Issues, and New Business Opportunities, available from LexisNexis. I'd like to welcome all of you to our LexisNexis Legal Podcast and want to start off by asking just what is the ASTM Building Energy Performance Assessment Standard, or BEPA, and why was it created? Mark, you want to get us started? Sure, Steve. I'd be happy to. Well, this standard, Steve, goes back about three years ago in terms of uh, the inception of the process, and it was really driven by the need of the commercial real estate community to understand energy as it relates to a commercial property in terms of how to measure the energy and potentially uh, its impact it might have uh, on the value of the building and the operating uh, performance of the building and so forth. Uh, it started, uh, if you think about what was going on three or four years ago, the, the world was focusing quite a bit on, on green policy, uh, carbon trading, things of that nature, that got the federal government into looking at um, various policy uh, approaches in this area. And ASTM, which is a, a voluntary standard-setting organization, put together this task force, which uh, had over 200 people uh, from all aspects of the industry in terms of real estate developers, brokers, all the support organizations, attorneys, appraisers, environmental consultants, and so forth, as well as government agencies that uh, were looking at potential standard setting in this area. So it's, it's very much a cross-current of the industry, and uh, the ASTM process is very open and collaborative, so that the standard went through several drafts. And what has been created that we'll learn about uh, during our podcast is a standardized means of measuring the energy performance of a building. And that may sound pretty simple, but in fact, it's quite a complicated process. But once everybody is talking about, uh, on the same scale, if you will, what the energy consumption of a building is, then you can begin to take that information and fix that if you want, and it needs to be fixed in terms of creating more efficiency, or communicate that to a buyer of a building or an appraiser or someone else 
involved in a real estate transaction, including a government agency, that may want or you may be obligated to provide that information. So that's sort of an overview of what the process, what the standard is, and how it was developed. David? I will add that ASTM is a logical organization to be doing uh, standard setting in this area. It was, after all, the organization that developed the Phase One environmental site assessment at a period when that was not a standardized process. It has since become standardized, and actually EPA largely adopted the ASTM standard as its own and is now you know, enshrined in in statute. So when there are uh, standards to be set in areas like the uh, like this, people do look to ASTM uh, as a very reputable and well-respected organization that has a good track record in creating standards that gain wide acceptance in the communities that they're designed to serve. Leanne? An overview of what the standard does. It measures the energy use per square foot in a wide variety of uh, properties, and it calculates cost scenarios, how much you are spending on energy under a range of scenarios. And what's great about this standard is that there is a specific scientific protocol to follow that will make the measurements useful and reliable. David, how is BEPA going to affect the interest of real estate owners to undertake energy-efficient upgrades? I think it will affect not only uh, real estate owners, but also people who are entering into leases and people who have a other financial interest in properties such as banks. To the extent that a BIPA analysis is done, it will show not only the energy efficiency of a given building, but what variables affect the efficiency and where improvements can be made. So when you do a BIPA analysis, you will find out both the efficiency of your building and also uh, you can drill down and find out what specific things need to be done in order to improve it so that, that it will give you a roadmap not only to uh, figuring out where your building stands, but also specific things that can be done to improve it. And to the extent that you can then go to the next step and put a dollar value on those improvements, that will inform the way people negotiate leases and building purchases and loan documents. Leanne, you wanted to add something to that? Yes, I'd like to. I think that this is really important because uh, prior to this standard, there has not been a uniform way to conduct uh, an energy analysis in a building. So it didn't give real estate owners much certainty that there was a quantifiable process to follow. Now that we do have a standard that is well agreed upon and provides some very reliable steps that can be taken, it increases an owner's confidence in spending the money to get an analysis done or a likelihood that this analysis will be effective, reliable, 
will actually result in cost-effective improvements to the building. Prior to this, uh, what would happen would be uh, you could go to several different energy consultants and you might not have a uniform standard. This gives a benchmark to not only owners but to members of the uh, consulting industry in how to conduct an energy analysis, and I think that's a good thing. I see where that could be beneficial. Leanne, what's the status of capital availability for energy retrofits, and is BEPA useful to lenders in the underwriting financing for energy-efficient retrofits? This is something that needs to happen. Since the financial downturn, the capital coming into the energy retrofit build has not been very great. And this is because lenders at this point in the financial cycle are very concerned about using their capital wisely. And with respect to energy retrofits, I've heard many lenders say that they don't understand how retrofits are conducted. They're not sure if the activities undertaken with retrofits will pay off, and therefore they're reluctant to lend. Now, retrofits, in truth, are very, very risk-averse, I mean, procedures. This is very well-understood technology. These are things that have been done repeatedly throughout the real estate industry, but at the same time, lenders aren't comfortable. What BIPA does is it provides a protocol that will make lenders comfortable with underwriting. And if a lender wants to provide capital to lend, it is very easy to write into a loan agreement that the energy analysis has to be done according to BIPA. So what I look to BIPA to do is to encourage the flow of capital into the energy-efficient retrofit industry. How does BEPA relate to the federal government being required to implement a retrofit program under the Energy Independence and Security Act? Well, this is, BEPA is excellent because the federal government is now obliged over the next four years to retrofit uh, a substantial percentage, 75% of its buildings. And the BEPA standard allows... First of all, consultants who are going to be working for the federal government, the ability to utilize a protocol that's very well thought out and standardized in order to retrofit that space. And similarly, uh, it offers the federal clients assurance that their benchmarking is done in a reliable manner. And so it's excellent for both. I think that what it will do is uh, accelerate the retrofit of federal buildings under the Energy Independence and Security Act. And I think it's very significant, such a massive program, that uh, what we'll see is once the federal government has done uh, numerous retrofits and a large volume of retrofits, I think we'll see uh, retrofits become more uh, accepted throughout the private sector. For lawyers drafting leases and purchase and sale contracts, uh, what are some of the most important uses of BIPA, and what new legal implications does it create for disclosure, representations, and whatnot? David? We've talked a little bit about the uses already. One of them is obviously it it gives people a recognized way of evaluating building energy efficiency in the context of a transaction and, and can help to specify what kinds of information are needed, and indicate what kind of uh, activities can be done to improve a building's energy efficiency so parties can put a price tag 
on those uh, improvements. And as a result, there will be a more informed uh, negotiation process in terms of price and terms of, of any transaction. It's still early in the process to figure out what the legal implications are, but among them are the availability of information, because not all of the information is necessarily available to the parties in a transaction. For example, if you are a an owner and you need to provide energy use information to a prospective purchaser, and you have a building that has tenants that are separately metered, you may or may not have that information, and the tenants may or may not be legally obliged to or interested in giving that information to you. So getting the access to the information, getting access to the building sometimes may involve looking at lease terms, may involve drafting new lease terms. It certainly involves drafting of purchase and sale agreements and loans to provide for the provision of information to provide for confidentiality because some of this information is sensitive, to make sure the information is accurate so you have uh, issues regarding representation and the consequences of improper or, or false representation in the context of, of this kind of an analysis. You have inform- questions about reliance. Do you rely on uh, someone else's analysis, whether it's a BIPA analysis or not, or do you do your own? There are issues regarding selection of contractors, because this is an area where lawyers should fear to tread. This is complicated stuff, and so lawyers can't do it on their own, and clients very often can't do it on their own. They need good contractors, and you want to vet those contractors carefully, uh, and also you should be thinking about having them retained by counsel because to the extent that there are sensitive information either being provided or being produced, such as a beeper rating, which may or may not be something that you want to have public at the end of the day, uh, it would be generally helpful to have the process be done under an attorney-client privilege. Leanne, has there been any pushback from the real estate industry in enacting energy disclosure laws? Uh, I think in some cases there there has. Now, on balance, I'd say there's been tremendous progress made in enacting these laws. But what I've seen, for example, in the state of Maryland, recently a bill there was defeated, and that was because the real estate industry was very concerned that benchmarking and disclosure would be difficult to implement. And they made their case in a way that the legislature felt was pretty compelling. So I think at this time in the economic cycle, uh, some in the real estate community are concerned about their ability to implement benchmarking. And they are saying that uh, it will cost money in an economically uncertain time. I think something that I'd like to point out is that uh, BIPA makes it a lot easier to uh, potentially organize benchmarking. Uh, There are software programs coming out that will uh, help property owners implement disclosure, both for BIPA and under under other systems. And I would hope that uh, as the industry evolves, it makes it so easy to benchmark that benchmarking and disclosure become very much part and parcel of the real estate industry. I think that ultimately benefits uh, building owners, and occupant. 
Steve, it's Mark, if I could. There are several jurisdictions where this is now coming into play in terms of mandatory labeling or disclosure on a transaction basis to a buyer or tenant in terms of energy history. And, and uh, my sense on this is that because you are sort of drudging up the, the challenges with a particular building and its inefficiencies, this can actually drive investment. And actually, in some markets, there's an obligation to implement some of these energy retrofit requirements that are discovered in the uh, labeling or disclosure process. So, in fact, this can be a, uh, a stimulus, if you will, to, uh, to economic development activity in a, in a particular market. I'd like to echo that. I think Mark's absolutely right that economic stimulus will be uh, spurred by retrofits and jobs retrofitting buildings, doing energy audits, or jobs that stay at home. Can uh, can one of you explain how BEPA relates to ASHRAE's updating of its energy audit requirements? I'd be happy to take a crack at that. There's a standard called ASHRAE uh, Standard 100, and it gives ASHRAE's protocols on energy efficiency in existing buildings. And that standard is being updated. It will be broadly used. What's excellent about BEPA is that it's a foundational standard that can fit in alongside a variety of programmatic uh, and other standards in retrofitting buildings. So a BEPA process can be used uh, in conjunction with ASHRAE's energy-efficient Retrofit standards for existing buildings, it can be used when undertaking an evaluation of an existing building under LEED. It can be used in developing an energy star protocol for a building. So I think what's excellent about BEPA is that it fits in all over the map and makes it easier to apply a variety of performance standards to building retrofit. David, BEPA can be incorporated into current property due diligence procedures too, right? Absolutely. There are some pretty well-established standards already in place for property transactions, including the one mentioned earlier, the Phase 1 Environmental Site Assessment, which is an ASTM standard 1527, typically also for building or a property where there is a building uh, or buildings in place, a purchaser or lender would require a property condition assessment, and that's also an ASTM standard uh, 2018. In addition, there are ASHRAE level 1 and 2, and actually even 3, energy audits. So while you're going through this due diligence process, adding the uh, BEPA analysis as a, an additional component should be very natural and should work in seamlessly with the way property transactions are already occurring. Mark, you have any thoughts on that? No, I think it just makes perfect, it makes perfect sense. And I've seen several companies in that business that have begun to cross-train their personnel. So, I mean, to the point earlier about uh, the real estate industry pushing back, I think this is the, the counter to that and that this can be a highly efficient process. Uh, in Europe, when this came into play, there was a training curve for the professionals involved in transactions to get up to speed. Um, the other area where we're seeing some activity now is um, in the appraisal community that uh, it makes a lot of sense because of the direct evaluation impact of, of energy costs. So there are you know, several potential entrance po- entry points in terms of professionals, and there'll be competition amongst these people as well, which I think will bring the cost down. So overall, I'm very optimistic that the industry is ready 
to support the process. Mark, talk about some of the challenges that are faced by the Energy Star benchmarking system in light of recent congressional budget cuts. Yeah, this has been an interesting uh, course of events over the past few months. So many of the states and um, locales that have mandatory disclosure for, and benchmarking use Energy Star as the name benchmarking system uh, because it is free, if you will, funded by the taxpayers, and it's uh, you know available rel- relatively easily on the web. The Energy Star system, which many people don't know, is actually the benchmarking is based on a commercial building survey that the DOE, Department of Energy, uh, updates every four years or so. And um, the current benchmarking uh, system in Energy Star uses the 2003 data, and the system was about to be updated with 2007 data to make it only around four years uh, out of date, if you will. And it was announced about six weeks ago that because of budget cutting, the 2007 update is not going out, and there's no intent to update the system thereafter. So basically, Energy Star is working off of, you know, eight-plus-year-old data because those surveys, in turn, are taken from data before that period. So that's a problem because of, of the, the age of the data and, and the building stock having evolved quite a bit. So there's some efforts now among some trades groups to try to figure out what to do, but it's putting sort of a, a kink into the process. David, I think you, maybe you have some thoughts about that, and we've talked in terms of how the BIPA may in itself create potentially a parallel, if not alternative, to what Energy Star is trying to do. Yeah, I can speak to New York City, the people in the mayor's office of long-term planning and sustainability, which is the office that is more than any other in charge of implementing new New York City benchmarking law, is very concerned about the fact that the database for Energy Star is not being updated. And there's a significant initiative among not only the business community, but also cities and states that either have implemented benchmarking using the the Energy Start Portfolio Manager or are thinking of doing so to get the Department of Energy to reconsider and to actually restore the funds. And that's not clear that it'll happen, but there's a lot of discussion going on in terms of whether that's feasible and and possible. And, And if it isn't, then I think that there may be some reconsideration among the jurisdictions that are doing benchmarking as to how useful the Energy Star system is. Mark, you touched on this a little bit earlier. Uh, how's the consulting community responding in terms of standardized procedures and pricing for ASTM BIPA energy assessment procedures? It really depends on uh, the exact use of the, the BIPA. Is it being used as a disclosure mechanism uh, going into a state or city obligation? Is it being used as a lending you know, underwriting criteria? Is it being used you know, more specifically uh, sort of further down the road at a, a construction loan level, maybe tied to a retrofit? I think the, the key thing to keep in mind here, and this is where the consulting community is, is, is still figuring it out, is that the BIPA uh, in itself rarely stands on its own. It's typically the starting point, and it's often bundled with an ASHRAE level one, two, or three, or an Energy Star investigation, uh, or a uh, maybe a lead investigation, lead certification, depending upon what's going on. So, I think the consulting community understands it, understands the the role BIPA plays, and it's now starting to package and bundle, so that most companies in this area have three or four different price points, depending upon um, the the end use of the uh, the work that they're delivering. To wrap up, let me kind of go round robin among the group here and get your final thoughts uh, and what you would like to leave listeners with as far as 
the BEPA standards concerned? Well, as a consultant in the industry, I think I would say uh, I'd like people to know that energy audits and benchmarking have just gotten a great deal more reliable and easier. And I think BEPA is also going to result in energy audits and benchmarking becoming more cost-effective. So things are so things are looking up. David, my feeling is that the BEPA standard is coming along at a very propitious time, as people are getting more concerned about energy use, as people are understanding that the most efficient dollars that you can spend on energy efficiency are involved with retrofitting of existing buildings, and as states and cities are implementing and requiring uh, benchmarking and and disclosure and retrofit obligations. Now we have a standard that is a well-constructed standard that people can rely on and one that I think will end up becoming uh, a really important part of transactions involving uh, buildings, whether they be leases, uh, purchases, or loan arrangements. And Mark, you get the last word. Sure. I think, Steve, the most important thing that uh, the standard has done is it's brought a uh, communication platform for just the nature of the discussion we're having today, that we, we're all sort of talking on the same plane in terms of what the standard does and how it can be used, at whether it's compliance with the statute or, or you know, in a private transaction. Whereas before the standard, you had these competing standards or contradictory standards, and now at least everybody is uh, starting from a, a unique sort of a standardized starting place in terms of identifying terms so that uh, the eventual outcome of the transaction or the, uh, the communication makes sense to everybody, and it will definitely facilitate and uh, bring efficiency to the process. And I think it was a good discussion. Mark, Leanne, David, thank you for your time. Appreciate you coming on our LexisNexis legal podcast to talk about the Building Energy Performance Assessment Standard. Thank you, Steve. Again, our guests today are authors of the Emerging Issues Analysis entitled The ASTM Building Energy Performance Assessment Standard, Recent Trends, Current Uses, Legal Issues, and New Business Opportunities, which is available from LexisNexis. Thank you for listening to this LexisNexis legal podcast. Visit the LexisNexis communities at www.lexisnexis.com community. The LexisNexis Environmental Law and Climate Change Community Podcast, copyright 2011 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. I'm Steve Bursler. Thank you for listening.